Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And it's Josh Bond. And this is Lesson 6 of our Daniel study. This is our last lesson in this book. It's available on AmazonBooks.com. It's called Daniel and the Lion's Den. The reading is Daniel 6, 1 through 28. Read us the principle, Josh. An understanding spirit is an excellent spirit. Daniel 5, 12 and 6 3 so daniel has this understanding spirit which is an excellent spirit and i don't know about you josh but that's bigger than me (laughs) i got a foolish spirit i'll drop into my little whiny girl and there i go (laughs) so i have to realize when i have dropped away from the lord when i'm indulging self-pity or something like that because i'm going to have confusion i'm going to be i'm going to be stuck and I need to move that to the altar and say, there it is, Lord, and go back to my disciplines, go back to where my foundation is. And we will see as we go through this chapter how Daniel did that. So it's about Darius the Mede. Um, He's the new king of Babylon, and he was assigned by the Persian king Cyrus. This was during the reign of... This was after the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar and the reign of Belshazzar, his grandson. Then the kingdom was given to the Medes and the Persians under King Darius. So we're still in Babylon. Uh, The Israelites are still in bondage. Their captivity was 70 years. Uh, The next kingdom is prophesied to be the chest of silver, which was in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and that was Belshazzar's. Um, dream, and then we've got the the legs, which was the Medes and the Persian, a divided kingdom. So what happens in this chapter? The new ruler, King Darius, favored the elder Daniel and put him above all his administrators. The other administrators were jealous and tricked the king into signing a decree that no one could pray to anyone but him for 30 days. If they did, they would be thrown into the lion's den as punishment. They assured him that everyone agreed to honor him this way. Then they caught Daniel praying and went and accused him. The king had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. The law could not be changed. The king grieved all night for how he was tricked. He loved Daniel. The next morning he found Daniel alive in the lion's den and punished the accusers by feeding them and their families to the lions. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a cool story. Yes. But you know, I don't think Daniel missed a beat. He no. was eighty five years old. He yeah. knew he'd he knew he had served the Lord all of his life. Now he had been taken captive as a child. Yeah. But his name meant uh, you know, that he trusted God and all of his life even though he did not have what he wanted he was probably a eunuch never had a family because he was in the king's palace and that's what they did back then and and, but he still trusted god he was not bitter you never saw any bitterness with daniel all you saw was discipline on how faithful he was Um, so to be defiant i got the little vocabulary here to be defiant is to resist or aggressively fight against something or someone good and to be defiled is to corrupt something that was pure and we will see how the other administrators, they were defiant, and they tried to defile Daniel because he was pure. And as you stand for the Lord, you can stand boldly, but boldness means you're going to find persecution. So Daniel knew that. Daniel knew that he was going to be persecuted for doing what was right, and he was okay with that. And so he had a really strong identity in God 
as his protector and his defender and his father. So what's our character skill? Faith versus unbelief. So Daniel faithfully served God. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel 6.20. Unbelief keeps us from resting emotionally. Read right here. For the for he that is entered into his rest, he also has stopped from his own works, and as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest. Let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. In Hebrews 4, 10, and 11. So if I fall out of rest, which means if I fall into anxiety and fear and fretfulness and worry, and I'm doing my own work. Mm-hmm. So we have that study on resting that we just posted a couple of weeks ago. You can back, go back and look at. So let's look at this faith. Daniel faithfully served God, but unbelief keeps us from emotionally resting. So if I'm not resting, I'm in unbelief. Yes. So if you're not resting, if you're fearful and anxious and stressed, you're not believing. You have an unbelieving heart. So question number one. What job did the new king Darius give to Daniel? In Daniel 6, 1 through 3, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satra- satraps. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how to say that. <laughs> Sat- to rule throughout the kingdom. It must be one of those rulers that were under him, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So they were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel had... uh, probably earned a great reputation. Uh, Darius probably heard about the writing on the wall and how Daniel was able to interpret that. So when he got there, he trusted Daniel. He put him in charge. And then he had found Daniel to be faithful to him. So number two. Could the other jealous leaders find any reason to accuse Daniel? Why not? So uh, Daniel 6.4, at this, the administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, and neither was he corrupt nor negligent. So there you are. There's that excellent spirit. So they couldn't find no way to accuse him. (laughs) So number three. How did the other jealous leaders find a way to falsely accuse Daniel, and what plot did they hatch to trap Daniel? So, okay, they couldn't find anything correct to accuse him for, so they had to make up some laws. So Daniel 6, 5 through 7. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless he does something, it has something to do against the law of his God. So these administrators went to the went as a group to the king and said, oh, may King Darius live forever. (laughs) The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, O master, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. (laughs) Well, they knew Daniel was going to pray, didn't they? (laughs) They knew Daniel was going to pray and that he would not go against his God. So number four. 
why did the leaders want King Darius to issue a decree that could not be changed? Hmm. Daniel 6, 8. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Huh. They knew that uh, he would probably yeah. repeal that law once he figured out it was corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> so they were going to make sure that he had no power, that he was stripped of his own power by his own hand. They were, they were falsely accusing Daniel, but they were manipulating the king. Yeah, he knew it. Yeah, number five. Uh, when Daniel heard the decree and the consequences, what did he do? Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went to his home upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed he giving thanks to his God just as he had done before so Daniel disobeyed <laughs> he disobeyed that decree and honored God as he had always done he did not have a fear of what would happen to him nor did he alter his disciplines yeah. and I really think because Daniel had the disciplines of giving thanks three times a day that he had the strength, the confidence, the stability to do this. So number six, then what happened? Then these men, <clears throat> men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you your majesty would be thrown into the lion's den the king answered the decree stands in accordance with the law of the medes and persians which cannot be repelled they go ahead repealed repealed okay, okay yes. then going. they said to the king daniel who is the one uh, who is one of the exiles from judah pays no attention to you your majesty or to the decree you put in writing he still prays three times a day <laughs> they thought they had caught daniel <laughs> they didn't know what was coming did they? No, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't they didn't remember how daniel's god had saved shadrach meshach and abednego from the flaming fiery furnace <laughs> yeah. they did they forgot that so number seven how did king darius respond to his officials accusing his beloved trusted daniel <sighs> Daniel 6, 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, and he made every effort until sundown to save him. Number eight. The, the officials reminded the king that not even he could change this law. So what did he do? Daniel 6, 15 through 17. Then the men went as a group to King Darius, and they said to him, Remember... Your Majesty, <laughs> sounds like Scar, <laughs> that according to the law, the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issued can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him in the lion's den. And then the king said to Daniel, may your God, who you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the ring of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. So Darius was greatly grieved. He also realized that he had been deceived, yeah. manipulated. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but and he was more distressed at this point for Daniel's life, the fact that he was putting a righteous man in the lion's den. Yeah. So number nine. How did the king act that evening? Then the king returned to his palace, and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. So he was definitely, definitely grieved. Number ten. What did King Darius do in the morning? At the first light. Daniel six nineteen through 20, the king got up, and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to save you from the lions? <laughs> what was Daniel's reply from that lion's den? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. May God send his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I have I was found innocent in the sight in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. <laughs> God sent angels and saved me because I was innocent. Yes. So if you're innocent yes. and you're being falsely accused, do not let yourself be fearful. No. Just literally lay in that lion's den in the dark and snooze away. No. <laughs> Say, Lord, you are my rescuer. You are my redeemer. You can shut the mouths of these lions. And number 12. The king was overjoyed that Daniel's God had saved him. How did he punish the false accusers? False accusers. Daniel 6.24, in the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. So I want you to know that our children and our families uh, suffer when we falsely accuse others. This is not just a one-time, only going to hurt me thing. It's going to hurt everybody around us that's under our authority. Number 13. How did God use Daniel's obedience and loyalty to him to glorify himself? Daniel 6, 25 through 28. So God, uh, when we obey and we're loyal and we honor God, it glorifies Him. Mm -hmm. So the King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly, he says. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues. He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of King Darius, the reign of this uh, king from the Cyrus the Persian. So his eternal power, the kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He speaks of God's power. He says God rescues, God saves. And then he sets up specific testimony. God saved Daniel from those lions, and then he blessed the God of Daniel for his. Fa- he blessed Daniel for his faithfulness. So there are a lot of things that happen when we just stand still and we let God defend us. Um, he blesses us. We can trust Him and who He is, and who He is as our God. And that's why I think it's so important to know who I am in Christ, and who He is to me. Mm-hmm. So now I have the Lord as my deliverer, as my rescuer. So let's look at these challenge questions. Look for opportunities this week to encourage others to excel. Look for opportunities to encourage children younger than you. 
Mm. So if you're uh, teaching your children, have them turn around and serve the younger children. It seems like schools and the world and cartoons and families kind of pit pit us against each other. Mm -hmm. And what I want you to do is train each child to look out for the younger ones. I I didn't let my older one, that was only like, you know, a year and a half older than the other one, I never let him in the car until he made sure his sister was in the car. Because otherwise they're fighting as to who gets the the Mm -hmm. car first. And it's like, no, 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 you're older. You don't ever get in the car till you're sure your baby's safe. And we'd get her in there, and we'd strap her, and then he'd get in. And it really taught him to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so number two. Have you falsely accused anyone? And if you ever did do, what should you do? Yeah, if you falsely accused somebody, go back and repent. <laughs> number three. Have you manipulated and deceived someone with false information? Hmm. I think we're guilty of all these without even yeah. <laughs> sometimes we just do this out of our nature without yeah. even thinking about it we're just mad yeah, <laughs> and so we twist it and then we even believe our own lies yeah. <laughs> so I want you to go back if you falsely accuse somebody if you've manipulated somebody else with false information I want you to go back and apologize discussion questions when others get promoted how would we respond if we loved them how would we respond if we were jealous okay so when my kids were little uh, if I bought one something I made sure I didn't buy the other one something, but I made sure that that one was happy that the first one got something. Mm-hmm. And then I said, now next time, it'll be your turn to get something, and we're going to rejoice because it was something you really wanted. But you know, if there's nothing here that you really want, why would I get you something just so that it can be quote unquote fair? Yeah. You know, Because then you expect it all your life, and life's yeah. just not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I want you to learn to rejoice because your sibling got something yeah. that today. And I still today, get to play with it. Yeah. <laughs> so number two. Uh, do you have the boldness to bow your head around your friends and pray? Ooh. Are you willing to receive whatever mocking or per- persecution this might bring upon you? Do you have a prayer routine or discipline like Daniel? Yeah, so um, that discipline, sometimes that's a dirty word. Yeah. People mm-hmm. are like, no, if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it. But uh. you know what? I don't feel like coming to church on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> I don't until I'm just like, it's a habit. I'm going to do it no matter what. And now I do. But at first, it's like shaking yourself by the scruff of the neck saying, you will get up. You will go to church. You will. Because there's just so many other things pulling at us. So if you don't have a discipline of going to church, if you haven't found a church that you love, if you don't have a discipline to get into the Word, to get into prayer, of course you're all over the place. Of course you're confused. Of course you're, you're isolating and you're struggling with depression. Instead, I want you to get up, bow your head, say, Lord, help me. Help me to be able to set the disciplines up in my life that I might grow. Number three. What did you learn from Daniel about what to do when you are falsely accused? Eh, you just keep doing the right thing. (laughs) You just keep doing the right thing. All right, so now we're going to look at feeble faith and healthy faith. There are ten things that's a feeble faith. Read these. Prayerlessness. No desire to read the Word. Number three. Don't think the Word applies today. Number four. Think like a deist. Deist. God just put us here and walked away. Number five. No vision for the future. Number six. Eyes on temporal things. Uh, number seven. Little faith, faint-hearted. Yeah, giving up too easy. Number eight. Confusion. Number nine. Depression. Number ten. D- dysfunctional coping skills, caffeine, food, feels, alcohol, etc. Okay, so let's look at what a healthy faith would look like, because this is what Daniel's life looked like. Number one. Disciplined prayer life. Number two. 
watching and waiting. Yeah, he was at that window, praying towards Jerusalem, waiting to be returned to his land. Number three. Hungering and thirsting for God's word. Number four. Longing for deeper fellowship with Christ. Number five. Sat saturating self with the word number six growing and maturing number faith. seven proposed to develop the fruit of the spirit mm, purposefully purposefully, oh, purposefully. Yeah. yeah to <laughs> develop that fruit of the spirit and love joy peace if i don't purpose to respond with love i ain't doing it yeah. <laughs> i've got to purpose that that's the way i'm going to roll number eight uh accountable to others for good character number nine humbling self number ten so serving god and being able to being used by the Lord. Number 11. Steadfast maturity. Mm, growing and growing. Number 12. Wrestle, wrestling unbelief and making no provisions for the flesh. Yeah. You know, you got to recognize when you're in unbelief. you got to recognize when you're heading down that wrong path of thinking. And it all starts in our thinking. Yeah. All starts right there. So I want you to, uh, as a parent, I want you to help your children establish disciplines in their life to develop a healthy faith. This is going to just start with manners. Yeah. Just manners, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just just manners. And, and and if we don't train them, if we just let them do whatever they feel like doing, it's yeah. not going to end well for them. Yeah. They're going to be sitting in your basements when they're 40. <laughs> they won't be able to keep a job. Yes. <laughs> so mind your own business. You've got, you've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God, Romans 14, 12. So mind your own business. Don't be trying to fix everybody else. Start yeah. fixing yourself. Yeah. Number two. Teach the children when to tattle or tell on someone and when not to. There are times we mind our own business. Then there are times we must tell an adult. We are to tell or report the facts to an adult if someone is harming themselves or another person, or if they are destroying property. Teach children to look at their behaviors. Whatever is irritating them is in another is something that they are doing and need to correct judging ourselves and cleaning ourselves up is our responsibility okay let's look at this so you know you can't just tell your children stop tattling yeah because yeah tattling gets them you know in trouble yeah. but you've got to tell them when is it important to tattle yeah. what's very important if you're being hurt if yeah. somebody else is being hurt or properties being destroyed yeah. but if not let your love cover a multitude of sins yeah. you know so there's got to be a discernment here to be able to train our children when it is appropriate to tell and when it's appropriate to mind their own business yeah. now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth so when you a mere human being passes judgment on them and yet do the same same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment in Romans 2, 2 through 3? So when somebody else is in front of me, Josh, that's irritating me, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to mind my own business, turn my fingers back towards myself and say, okay, Lord, you just put a magnifying glass in front of me. What is it in me that needs corrected? Because yeah. <laughs> he's trying to correct me, yeah. and um, he's going to put the same type of people in front of me over and over again so that I can learn, okay, stop judging them and judge yourself. Clean up your side of the street. Yeah, That's that. part of recovery, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Very big part, <laughs> Yeah. So I want you to learn to judge yourself. Um are your behaviors bringing fruit? 
Are they bringing peace? Are they bringing patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness? Are you developing disciplines in your life so that when it's a really bad day and you're, you've been falsely you got a good, safe place to land that night? Okay, I never go to bed without praying. Okay, I never go to bed without at least reading three to five verses in my Bible. Okay, I don't go to bed without forgiving everyone who hurt me that day if if that's the way i roll there'll be days that i don't need to forgive anyone yeah. but on the day that i did i'll be really happy that i have that structure in my life that i can release them to the lord lord i forgive them that's real yeah, i forgive definitely. them don't hold this to their account they don't know what they're doing yeah. and as i do that now there's not that power over me to, to yeah. hurt me to interrupt my sleep, to interrupt my peace, and my peace belongs to me. That's real. So this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Wong. And this was the final lesson in the study of Daniel. We love you.